What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Early Read Best Bets Show. If you missed Tuesday's Week 2 Review, Week 3 Preview with Brian Fermo, highly recommend checking that show out. Uh, talked a lot about the new clock, some drive data that he goes through, previewed the Week 3 slate. Not the, the best of cards after a lengthy, uh, girthy Week 2 slate and what's set to be a pretty wild Week 4 slate also, especially with conference play picking up. But it is a slate, handed out a handful of bets there. So make sure you go check that out. I uh, think we got like pretty much positive market movement there. Um, have a handful I want to get to in a little bit. But just going to run through some of the things I talked about in the Tuesday show. Going to talk about some news and notes as well. Um, I mentioned with Brian, passing rate, and maybe that being a way to skirt these dropping totals because it, it, it's matching – the data that teams are losing possessions at a time, but is there a way that the totals could kind of beat that? And my hypothesis is that teams that are pushing the ball further down the field are either, you know, blowing through their total because simply put, you're either picking up 10 to 15 yards. If you're, you know, a dot is far enough, or if it's an, non-positive play, if it's an incomplete pass, the clock stops and that kind of stops the clock from burning. It sounds so simple. I looked at the teams that are, have the highest passing rate. I haven't found a direct correlation. Um, if you go through the team's highest passing rate, it's only two games, so it's tough to really get like a full sample size. And I'm sure by the time I think there's a sample size big enough, maybe it's after like four games. And, you know, you really start to think, oh, maybe there is something here. I'm sure the market will suss it out. So I, I mentioned that I'm going to do some digging around that. I haven't found like a perfect middle ground. Maybe after this week, I'll kind of circle back and see if anything jumps out um, and maybe play a few overs or unders for that matter early in the week. Um, moving on weather. There is some weather expected on the East coast. Uh, we've seen two totals hit pretty hard. I think one directly due to the weather, weather, the other not due to the weather pretty much whatsoever. It's due to some injury notes, but uh, Boston College, Florida State, this total opened at 56. It's now down to 48. Big storm looming here. It's a, still two days out at the time of recording. So it's a little mess work if you really think it's going to hit or not. Granted, as I'm recording right now, I mean, the Saturday forecast has about 50% chance of rain, winds of 23 miles an hour throughout the game. Um, obviously, Florida State has Clemson on deck, so maybe they're not trying to open it up. BC red bandana game usually get a pretty big effort there from the Eagles. I I don't at this number pretty much no interest in a side or total to be honest with you. I think FSU can name their number, but also they could pull off the dogs really quickly, especially with some rain. The other game worth noting: UConn Florida International. This is another game that has weather involved. The projected forecast in Connecticut is twenty five percent chance of rain. 18 mile an hour wind. So a little bit easier on the winds. We'll see this total has plummeted though from a low opener. Anyway, a 44 and a half to 40. That's probably due to Joe Fagnano, the UConn starting quarterback. He is injured out for the year. He came with the main head coach. who is now the OC there. He was tapped to be the starter for UConn an offense that has not done so well to begin with to start the year, a pretty limited offense. They're going to go back to Taekwon Roberson. Uh, we're going to talk about this game towards the end of this episode. But yeah, I, I think this technically is weather related because there is some high winds coming for the area projected at least. Um, but I, I think 
this is more baked in the fact that UConn's offense is going to be you know, pretty up against it, Grant, given their limited talent at quarterback. Um, some injury notes. Friday game, Frank Harris, UTSA quarterback. He was banged up in the first half against Texas State last week. He reportedly got an injection in his toe at halftime. He played in the second half. I thought he was toast. I mean, he got hit, got up, limped off, backup came in. Then Harris came back in. He got hurt again. The car came out for him. He, I think, ended up walking it off. I thought he was done for the game. Comes back in the second half. Doesn't really move much. Uh, UTSA offense holds on. Low-scoring game against Texas State. Now, short week against Army. This number has dropped from 12.5 to 9. Total at 45 as of this recording. There was a video taken. Frank Harris was in a boot at a charity outing. Um, Jeff Trailer kind of made it sound like he's going to try to play. I, it seemed a little negative. It's also that uh, potential pro prospect, Makai Hart, the right tackle for the Roadrunners. He's going to be out for the rest of the year. It, it, it's looking grim for UTSA. Playing an Army team that you know, service academy, big dog, obviously one of the slowest tempos in the entire country, pretty favorable spot to grab an underdog. For what it's worth, I made this game 11 and a half before adding any injuries in Frank Harris. Pretty important. I, you know, this offense hasn't gotten off to the start that the Roadrunners have had over the past two, three years, but Frank Harris is uber important to this team. If he doesn't play, that is a big, big blow. Um, you know, it's Army or nothing for me. The under may actually end up being a better point of attack given where Army's offense is at right now, but also the pace of play, especially if UTSA is going to go to a backup. I imagine they're going to play pretty slow. Another injury note, Nebraska, Northern Illinois. Jeff Sims looking like a game time call. Uh, obviously, Jeff Sims got a lot of flack for his play against Colorado. He obviously had a lot of terms against Minnesota as well. I don't rate Jeff Sims very highly. Picked up an ankle injury at the end of the Colorado game. Chuba Purdy, the backup, he was also dealing with a leg injury. He was a game time call. The other backup, um, Hember Harburg. He completed two of six throws against the Buffs, 13 yards, threw a touchdown, and he ran twice for 17 yards. I'm going to lean. It's probably him if Sims can't go. Trying to read through the tea leaves. I mean, Matt Rule early in the week said it wasn't a high ankle sprain, but the fact that they're trying to discern if it's a high ankle sprain or it's not a high ankle sprain probably means it's a pretty serious one, enough to keep him keep Sims out for a game. We'll see. I think this Nebraska offense is going to be really up against it either way, given where Sims was in that Colorado game and how bad he was playing. I mean, frankly, I, I thought Nebraska's defense was up to the task in this one, but I mean, five turnovers. Um, I just, how, how dire is this Nebraska quarterback situation? And then if Purdy's banged up and Harbor gets the nod and he gets hurt, who's playing quarterback here? Is Matt Rule going to lace him up? I, I think this is really up against it. They're playing a Northern Illinois team that veteran group with Rocky Lombardi, really weird box score. Uh, they end up losing to Southern Illinois, 14-11. They outgained them by 140 yards, Northern Illinois did. They missed a 42-yard field goal. They got picked off at the Southern Illinois 30. They had a turnover of downs at the Southern Illinois 47. Picked to end the game at the Southern Illinois 35 with 30 seconds left. Uh, this is a Northern Illinois team that beat a similar type of team 
to Nebraska, like Boston College on the road in week one. Really unsettled quarterback situation. You know, you hope the defense is a little bit better, but ultimately Northern Illinois won that game. Maybe something similar is building here. Uh, Nebraska's offense really big struggles to start the season. Uh, overall, 124th in EPA per play. That's bottom 10 in the country. I just, I don't know. The defense has been pretty average. They're obviously going to have a huge talent advantage against Northern Illinois on the defensive line, but I, I struggle to see you know, Nebraska low total as well. This open 46, we gave that out on the Tuesday show. That has since dropped to a current number as of recording on Thursday afternoon a 42 low total. I can't trust Nebraska line, a big number here. I, I think Northern Illinois is kind of live. I'm, we may talk about that one at the end of the show. It's definitely a weaker slate. In my opinion, I think it will be nice to get another data point ahead of, you know, conference play really picking up. It's SEC has a handful of conference games. Uh, we will talk about one in just a bit, some other non-conference matchups, uh, some notable ones, some not as notable, but I think it's, this is another week to maybe build out some new ideas about teams, maybe confirm some priors, learn something new and yeah, just prep for conference play. Before we get to a handful of week three plays, want to tell you about the early read sponsor profit exchange, introducing profit boost. My friends at profit exchange have created a way to make guaranteed money every day. Seriously. Head your favorite sportsbook boost with Profit Boost. Follow at Profit Boost on Twitter to be alerted there next time there is a free money opportunity. Join the growing community of bettors who are on pace to make an extra $4,000 this year using Profit Boost alone. Sign up for Profit Exchange today and get a no sweat first bet up to $100 when you sign up with the code Early Read. That's E A R L Y R E E D. Early Read. Available in the Apple and Google Play Store. Must be 21 plus and present in New Jersey. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So, like I said, gave out a handful of plays on the Tuesday show. Got some positive market movement on all of them. Four plays given out there. Going to give out, I think it's six bets now later in the week. Adding a few to the card. Minnesota plus seven and a half against North Carolina. We spoke about this on the Tuesday show with Brian I, I've thought more and more about it, and I just I can't get to this number. And I see this in sports betting content all the time, and it sucks when people say meaningless, irrelevant trends, and it's not taken with any nuance or context. And I, I think it leads people to the pasture. That being said, here's a trend. Um, I, I think for every trend that you want to use in sports betting, you, you need to add – more qualifiers to it. You can't just blindly say something. I think you need to try and rationalize why is this relevant to the specific bet at hand. So here's one. PJ PJ Fleck, he's not very good as a favorite, but I mean he's an absolute ATM as an underdog. When he's catching seven or more, he's five and two since getting to Minnesota, and he's won three of those games outright. Um he's crushed on conference play, going 12-7 and one since getting to Minnesota. I, so what does that mean? That means PJ Fleck, methodical offense. They run Minnesota's regularly playing at one of the slowest rates in the entire country. And this year's no different. Looking at plays per minute, Minnesota checks out 119th of 133 graded teams per Chris Hummer. So Minnesota's going to play slow. And we faded UNC last week against App State. And my rationale behind that was, 
I think that UNC is being a little inflated, especially on defense after beating up what to me is a pretty terrible South Carolina offensive line. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. UNC after 11 tackles against tackles for loss against South Carolina, one tackle for loss against Appalachian state. They had to go to double overtime to win this one at home as an 18, 18 and a half point favorite. Probably should have lost that game. They got ran over by app state who was starting their backup quarterback that everyone was so quick to fade Minnesota. They're not going to own the trenches in this one. They're not going to get a push. I don't know. I, I think that this is setting up for a Minnesota victory. In my opinion, I think again, Methodical tempo, able to get a push up front, able to keep the sticks moving. That's Minnesota's way to victory, typically. It's why P.J. Fleck is pretty bad as a favorite, and he's really good as an underdog because he can control the tempo. He can play some keep away. Uh, UNC's defense against the run, 112th in EPA per play. Minnesota running it at a top 30 clip per game so far. I wouldn't say they're running uber efficiently, you know, just 75th in EPA per play. But, you know, play Nebraska, sturdy defensive line. EMU, they probably should have ran for a little bit more. Um, I think their EPA was bogged down a little bit, lack of explosive plays. But I think Minnesota is going to be able to stay on schedule here and keep this North Carolina offense at bay. Next thing up, Minnesota, Ben, don't break defense with Rossi at D.C. UNC has been really run dependent this year. You know, Hampton ran for over 200 yards against App State. That Walker waiver for North Carolina really, really hurt them. This team is not humming in the passing game whatsoever. I know Drake May is going to be a top you know, two, three pick in the NFL draft, and he's really good. UNC offense, 77th in EPA per play. Minnesota's defense, and this is a unit that's graded out as a top 10 secondary over the past several years. This is a sturdy defensive front. I, I think Minnesota is able to play keep away here, and UNC continues to be overvalued based on that South Carolina result. Um, I think... Thankfully, UNC held on to win against App State because now I'm able to fade them once again. I, I'm taking the points with Minnesota. Um, I'll take the Gophers plus seven and a half. I, I honestly think they're going to win this game outright. Next up, uh, similar vein to what we were just talking about. Give me Georgia minus 27 and a half against South Carolina. Uh, you look since that do that crazy double overtime game four years ago where South Carolina wins in Georgia. Uh, Georgia's won the last three, 133 to 36. Uh, the South Carolina defense let up 11 tackles to loss to North Carolina, which we kind of just went through that whole thing. What is Georgia going to do? I and mean, what uh, this Georgia defense front has regularly been a matchup nightmare for South Carolina. I was down South Carolina heading into the year. I think that they're going to get just absolutely walloped here. Um, I mean, South Carolina defense last season outside the top 100. Uh, they struggled slowly on UNC, allowed 31 points there on a neutral field. This feels like a game where Georgia really flexes its muscles. I, it seems like everyone's kind of waiting for Georgia to turn it on and, you know, some slow starts here and there against Ball State and Tennessee Martin. I, I know it sounds bad, but, you know, then you look at the final score, Georgia won 48 to 7 and 45 to 3. So I think that you're going to see this team start of SEC play, start to pick it up. Four touchdowns, I think, is very much in play here. Give me the dogs. Minus 27 and a half. I think we see them kind of get it going here. And I think Carson Beck maybe puts on. I think the numbers haven't been as bad as it's seen. Not that they've been bad, but, you know, they've been a little bit more pedestrian. I think he's been pretty good, actually. Um, and I think we see Georgia start to open it up a little bit to start SEC play. 
Another one, Troy minus two and a half. I love this under the key number of three. I watched that game against Kansas State. I think Troy, their big issue last year was they weren't super efficient in the passing game. They were hauling in pass against Kansas State. They were able to move the ball pretty nicely through the air, which I think if that's going to be a growing trend for the Trojans this year, they should feel pretty decent about uh, there's some bell chances at going back to back. Because to me, if Gunnar Watson's able to move the ball, that's going to open up for Vidal, a 1,000-yard rusher last year. I, I think that's where Troy wants to go. They want to run the ball a lot, but they need the passing game to keep the team ahead of schedule and maybe get some chunk plays downfield. Look at James Madison side, team that was great last year, uh, really you know, an upstart team in the Sun Belt. They weren't able to qualify for a bowl or the championship game, but really nice season for them. Are we sure that's the same team this year? I mean, they let up 30-plus to Virginia and needed a late-game drive to escape with a win. I mean, allowing 30-plus to Virginia, that's not a good look. On the road, second straight game, I think Troy's defense kind of going to take over here. I think that this JMU defense, uh, JMU offense is a bit worse than last year. And the defense kind of lacking that same pop. I mean, this was a team that was top 10, 15 in some key metrics. So I think you're going to see Troy kind of start to pick it up as an offensive team. Uh, Looking at James Madison again, I mean, who have they played this year? They played Virginia and they played in week one, JMU played Bucknell, they're currently 109th in EPA per pass. I mean, I think a veteran quarterback like Gunnar Watson is going to find answers at home for Troy. I think they win this one by field goal. I think they're the better team. I make this one you know, through four. I think Troy gets it done at home. So I, I'm willing to lay this at beneath a field goal. Two more here. Charlotte, Georgia State. You know, if you were scrolling through on Saturday night, kind of looking at the scores, what's going on across college football, you probably were a little confused at like around like 8.30. Charlotte up two scores at Maryland. That's a weird one. Uh, the fighting Biff Pogies are looking much better than numbers that it had expected. I mean, this is a team with like 70 new players, a lot of transfers coming in, including quarterback Jalen Jones. And this is a former four-star recruit. He played at Bethune-Cookman. He played under Deion Sanders at Jackson State. I mean, this guy across three seasons has rushed for over 1,000 yards, uh, can push the ball down the field a little bit. I think Charlotte... This team is better than, you know, people in the preseason market had kind of believed. I mean, win total of like two and a half, I believe. This Charlotte team's looking good. They ran out of gas against Maryland. They end up losing by 18, but I think this is a great spot for them against Georgia State. First of all, Charlotte looks like it's going to be a fantastic underdog bet this season. They're playing at the seventh slowest pace in the entire country. They are firmly trying to keep this ball on the ground and try to basically grind games to a halt. And all of a sudden, you know, Nobody wanted to be on Georgia State last week, it seemed like. You know, close is a two-point, two-and-a-half-point favorite against UConn at home, a team that struggled to beat Rhode Island. I just I don't think you could get caught up in what happened in the most recent data point. Charlotte running the ball at a very high rate, like I said, slow pace. Catching over a touchdown here, I, I think Charlotte's able to keep this in the number. And I think they're I think they're gonna win this game outright as well. I just think. There's a lot of P5 transfer on this team. Georgia State, their defense, again, they played Rhode Island and UConn. 104th in EPA per play through two games. Look at the other side, Charlotte, 29th in EPA per play. And I know Charlotte, they had some fortuitous interceptions against Talia Tagovailoa, and they played South Carolina State to start the season. But I mean, I think this Charlotte team is way ahead of schedule. Give me over a touchdown here. 
with the 49ers. I think that they're going to be better than expected. I think they're going to go over their win total. I think they're going to win this game outright, to be honest, at home for sure. I just think Georgia State being a little overvalued here. That defense is still a concern in my opinion. Last one up, I believe it's the last game uh, to kick off on Saturday. The Arizona over 37 and a half team total minus 113 at FanDuel. I think this Arizona team is sitting on a big outing. Who's a heartbreaker to miss state, but I mean, wow, did this team move the ball at will? 50, uh, you know, had a 50% success rate, only scored 24 points. A lot of that due to five interceptions from Jada Delora. That's what happens when you uh, sign up for the Delora experience. But this is when Arizona last year was winning games, they were doing it on offense. They weren't like shutting teams down. They were winning with their offense. In games they won, they scored 38, 34, 43, 31. And 38 this season as well. This is an Arizona team. They're playing a little bit slower, about 0.2 plays per minute less. They're bottom half of the nation in plays per minute. So maybe there is a philosophical change, but I don't think that's going to factor in as much against UTEP. This is a team that allowed 6.6 yards per play to Northwestern. This is a team, you know, Northwestern, what it closes like a pick. And now, uh, you know, we're not going to severe. I mean, I think the season's over for UTEP. This team looks like it's going to circle the drains. And, you know, you look at the data points of when this UTEP, of what this UTEP team has put on paper this season. They let up, uh, what was it, 17 points to Jacksonville State, 14 to Incarnate Word, and then 38 to Northwestern. Jacksonville State missed a ton of deep balls in that opener. And, Incarnate word, I mean, there are what, like five drives in the second half because UTEP just sat on the ball. Arizona's defense has really showed up this year. I mean, rating out top 20 in success rate this year on at stopping the run. I don't think UTEP wants to open the ball up whatsoever. Um, wants to chuck the ball downfield at all. I think that they're trying to run the ball, but they're going to run right into an Arizona defense that is playing much better. I mean, they kept it limited to, on Mississippi State's offense. That's an SEC offense. I mean, Arizona, top five in EPA per play against the ground, 29th in success rate. So I think Arizona's going to get a handful of possessions here. They're still passing at the ninth highest rate in the country. I think five touchdowns and a field goal very much in play for an Arizona team that probably wants to take their frustrations out on their opponent. Um, I think they push through to 40 here. I think Arizona, um, I lean towards them covering, but I, I'm going to go for the team total over as my favorite play. That again is minus 113 at FanDuel. Last thing I want to get to didn't do it last week. Uh, I'll do this every week just as like a scratch off lotto thing. Not going to track these. It's if you're interested and you're listening and you want to, you know, scratch off. If you want to try this out, it's this one. This is going to be a round robin of all underdogs. Let's see if we can maybe make a memory here. This is just, it's not necessarily the most like plus EV thing. It's kind of just some underdogs. I could see some variants happening in these games and if you like riding. You know, let me know on Twitter um, if you enjoy if you're riding and if hopefully these go well. Uh, let's see. Florida, simple. Mention this on Tuesday show. Make Joe. I'm gonna make Joe Milton prove it to me on the road in the swamp at night. I saw a stat. This is like the high, the biggest Tennessee's been favored over Florida in like 20 plus years. Uh, this Tennessee team is outside the top 90 in EPA per pass so far this season against Austin P and Virginia and Virginia. I think Florida, I, you know, listen, I, I went to Wisconsin. I know that Graham Mertz sucks, but, you know, this Tennessee defense needs to prove it to me. 
I think maybe Florida could get out to a lead, slow this game down. And the defense, they shut down Utah. I know there's a backup quarterback there, but they're at home now. I I think Florida, they're way live in this game. I just Why are we just assuming that last year's Tennessee is going to come into the swamp? This team isn't the same. I think Joe Milton could struggle. He's not accurate enough. I think that Florida's going to build an early lead and hold off Tennessee. So give me UF. The best I see for that one at like the major domestics. Plus 200, Florida. You can get that at DraftKings. All right, next up. Minnesota talked about this. Think they're going to play keep away here. I think they're going to run the ball. Don't really know why UNC's favored. This team is due for a market correction, UNC. Minnesota, you know, I bet EMU last week. I talked that one up on the pod. Probably was really lucky to get away with that one. Minnesota probably should have won by more. I wonder if the blowout is in process. Do they look a little bit better analytically? I watched that game. I mean, they absolutely suffocated EMU. Granted, North Carolina, much, much better team. They have a future pro at quarterback. But the passing game isn't there. I think Minnesota's going to shut down the run. I think they're going to get their own ground game set up. And I think Minnesota, uh, way live here. I mean, P.J. Fleck has crushed in the spot. You know, you're giving me plus 240 at DraftKings. I'll take it. Let's do it. Minnesota, third on the money line underdog round robin. Another one we talked about, Charlotte, methodical offense, run first quarterback at home. Georgia State, they left 35 to Rhode Island. They played a UConn team that lost their quarterback mid-game. They're not really good on offense anyway. I don't know if Charlotte's super potent on offense either. But this team, I don't know if the market's catching up, that this team is a little bit more competitive than we had anticipated. Home dog over a touchdown. Uh, again, I don't know. After last week, Georgia State closes inside of a field goal. All of a sudden, they should be laying more than a touchdown. Uh, you can get a plus 245 at FanDuel. I'm in. Let's see. Let's see if we could make some magic happen. Two more. Purdue. Mentioned this one on the Tuesday show. Not sure where the Syracuse sentiment is coming from. Purdue is a better team, in my opinion. They're at home. Small number. Uh, hopefully, they take care of business, and that gets us one home for sure. Plus 120 at DraftKings. Happily taking that. I think Purdue wins this game outright. I think they win it going away. Not Syracuse, especially Veranda, Aranda Gadsden. The second doesn't play. I think Syracuse is cooked. So give me Purdue. And then last up, this is definitely a big swing. I'm going to take Northern Illinois, though, against Nebraska. I bet the under already. I, I think Northern Illinois is live here. It doesn't seem like Jeff Sims is going to go. If he does, he's going to be hobbled. Nebraska quarterback depth is challenged. To go back to what I mentioned earlier in the show, Northern Illinois, they outgained Southern Illinois by 140 yards. I mean, Southern Illinois had no business winning that game. NIU, they missed a 42-yarder. They got picked off inside the SIU 35 twice. They had a turnover on downs in plus territory. Lose 14-11. I know it sounds ugly. I just, why is Nebraska laying such a big number? I just, I make this game inside 10. That's not even accounting for the injuries. I think that this Nebraska team is way further behind than people had anticipated. I, I just went through all that, but a 93% post-game win expectancy, and they lost. What is the sentiment around this game had Northern Illinois just beaten Southern Illinois? Even if it was close, even if they didn't cover, whatever. Like, what if Northern Illinois just comes in 2-0? Is this line inside 10? Is his line closer to a touchdown with Jeff Sims questions? What if Jeff Sims doesn't play? And Jeff Sims sucks anyway. So, uh, you know, if they go to the backup, 
if Purdy's also hurt. I just think Northern Illinois, you're getting a massive number on a team that is constantly shooting themselves in the foot. And listen, maybe this turns around and they absolutely dump truck Northern Illinois. But this is team I was pretty high on in uh, the Huskies in their offense coming into the season. Maybe Rocky Lombardi puts together for one game. Uh, again, we've seen Nebraska lose to you know, lower competition. So I will take a shot on Northern Illinois at plus 340 at DraftKings. I, I think NIU can make it happen. Usually four through six is kind of the sweet spot. Do not play this for very much. This is like a fun lotto ticket. Again, that's Florida, Minnesota, Purdue, Charlotte, and Northern Illinois. Let's hope we get three there. And that would be a really nice uh, payday for sure with some of the numbers we have put in there. Let's go through the full slate from today's show. Minnesota plus seven and a half against North Carolina. Georgia minus 27 and a half against South Carolina. Troy minus two and a half against James Madison. Charlotte plus seven and a half against Georgia State. Arizona team total over 37 and a half. And there is your early read for week three, including a little round robin shot. Hopefully uh, can make you guys some money there. Great show this week. If you missed and you want kind of a deeper dive into the full slate and kind of some of the new clock rules, go back and listen to the week two review, week three preview with Brian Fermo. You could check out any more ads I make during the week on my bet stamp at RW33. If you want to see the early read plays, which are nine and seven for plus 1.2 units, the Google Doc is below. Shout out to our sponsors, Profit Exchange. We'll talk to you Tuesday with the week three review and week four preview.